Hey everyone, this is Jack, and before you listen to this podcast, I just wanted to give you a quick disclaimer that Ian at one point does reference something he is holding in his hands during the interview, which if you're so inclined and you want to see what he's talking about, you can watch the video version of this interview on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash thecardboardherald, along with all of our other video versions of these interviews. Rarely is it pertinent to the actual conversation at hand, but we tend to put in a lot of nice accompanying B-roll for your viewing pleasure. But since I know a lot of you enjoy the audio version, I still keep up the podcast channel for all that delicious podcasty goodness you've come to know and love. Whichever you choose to do, no matter what, thank you for supporting the Cardboard Herald, and please enjoy this interview with Ian Zhang of Breaking Into Board Games, Kingdoms of the Deep, and Gravitation Games. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cardboard Herald, my chance to talk with creative gamers and game creators. And today joining me from the podcast-averse, from the board game design-averse, I have Ian Zhang. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Are you often on other people's podcasts? Like, tell me what it feels like to be in your position right now. It's not often. I've been on a couple now because, you know, I'm doing the circuit for Kingdoms of the Deep, but... I, it's generally me interviewing other people on breaking into board games. So that's been the the thing, but I'd love to go on more. So if you have listeners who are, you know, podcasters themselves, <laughs> I would love to join in. I'm, I'm a talker. I don't stop talking. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone who has ever listened to a board game related podcast hasn't at least entertained the idea of, well, maybe I should create a board game podcast or at least become a board game designer. It's like one of those two paths, you know? Yeah, I, I think there's like the seven layers of hell in terms of board games <laughs> uh, where like the first level is like, oh, Monopoly. Yeah. Level two is like, ooh, what's this Catan thing? Level three is like, oh, there's more. Right, okay. right, right. And then it's like, oh, Amazon. This is cool. Okay, that's <laughs> level three. Level four is like, okay, what's Twilight Imperium? Mm-hmm. yeah all right level level five is you know i can design one of those things that's cool and then level six is i have several games published and level seven is obviously i started my own publisher i'm doing my own thing now <laughs> <laughs> yep yep well this is this is exciting for me because i feel like i'm a completionist who is now collecting the the last member of the breaking into board games uh pantheon <laughs> onto the podcast here and we are here primarily to talk about Kingdoms of the Deep. I mean, you have a game, it's on Kickstarter, it's being released or I guess kickstarted by Galactic Raptor. And how are you feeling at the moment, dude? Like, are, are you excited about this project? Like, like, what is the vibe you are carrying? I'm I'm thrilled that it's funded and I, there's some really cool stretch goals coming up. We've I really really want the uh, inlaid boards with mm -hmm. the little little tokens where you can put the things in, like the scythe boards. Ah, man, it'll be so nice to have those things. Uh, but I mean, I'm excited to just see people play it. Like that's that's the biggest joy I get out of designing games and releasing them is seeing people play them, seeing people post about them, and just be excited about the thing that. I created and 
I don't get I, I I just don't get that enough because normally I'm working behind the scenes and so it's just <laughs> like here uh, go fly fly away <laughs> but this one is like this is mine this is my baby I I, I made it from beginning to the en- to the end and like I'm really excited to see it fly now and uh, or swim you know yeah, yeah swim really yeah. fast swordfish fast you know <laughs> well speaking of this being your baby this is in some ways thematically maybe or at least artistically this is like a successor or a sequel type of game to galactic raptors previous game which was animal kingdoms by a different designer was that something that you pitched to them from the get-go did you have a different design and they were like yo what if this becomes one of our kingdoms games tell me about that whole process well let's just say that i didn't exactly officially pitch the game (laughs) did it come up on a podcast and then you guys just were like let's take some notes here right now yeah it was it was more that i was happy i happened to be hanging out with carla at her house in huntsville alabama and i brought out this game because i was like i really want to show this to carla because she's got a really killer design mind and i'd love to get her feedback on it so that it can be made even better and then she was just like well do do you want to do it through us? And I was like, it, it took me a second because I was like, wait, what? <laughs> y- yeah, yeah, let's do it. This is great. And so it, it really came through uh, the the theme was kind of an emergent idea that it, it wasn't originally going to be a, you know, Animal Kingdoms universe game. But then I, I was thinking about it and I was like, well, Animal Kingdoms is pretty, you know, area controlly feel to it and i was like well this is kind of again it's it's kind of area control like animal kingdoms is more of like a hand management card game rather than an like a true area control game and so this this game that i had created which was originally called macrophage you know ended up being pretty close to the kind of core idea of what that line is all about. And so it didn't take much changing to really bring it into the line of the Animal Kingdoms universe. So we're just in the water now. (laughs) You know, I am just going to take a risk and say you dodged a bullet by not releasing a game called Macrophage. I mean, maybe it would have worked, but come on. Kingdoms of the Deep just sounds so cool. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Macrophage came out of... So the whole story of this game is I designed this game in 75 minutes. And I have a video to prove it. <laughs> awesome. It was part of a game design challenge that one of my friends was doing. And he provided me with two themes and two mechanics and said, you have 75 minutes, go. You have to have a pitchable idea by the end of 75 minutes. And so... That's what I did. I, I set to work trying to figure this out. And one of the things was a vi- it was a virus theme. And so I had to like shoehorn a virus. I was like, oh, what, what do viruses do? Well, they multiply and they mm-hmm. uh, put like create more viruses and then uh, things will be hunting them down. And it's like a macrophage. And so like there's this macrophage. But then the macrophage literally turned into a shark as you're eating the small little ocean <laughs> critters, <laughs> which... I mean, thematically, it, they're essentially the same thing. A macrophage is just a giant, like, amorphous shark right, right. For, for bacteria and viruses, which is pretty cool. And so, so it, it ended up working really well. So 75 minutes to come up with a pitchable idea. How much development went into it after that? After the 75 minutes, I spent a good year-ish on just kind of honing the things down so that I could get the, the whole mechanics down. Yeah. I. 
actually uh, in a previous interview, I actually found the original like notes that I took and this is the original player board. I don't know if this is a video. This is probably not a video podcast. Oh, this is a video. We got it all here. We got oh, okay. it all. So man. like you can see that if you look at this and then you look at the bo- player boards, it's almost exactly the same thing. Like, right, right. There, there are some small things that changed. Like I had a currency in here that I used to have, but like for the most part, the player board has not changed all that much. The core idea of the game has remained the same pretty much from the very beginning where you, the, each player has the same hand of six cards. Every round, you play one of them, and then everyone reveals at the same time and resolves them in order, in, in turn order. But if you were the only person to do a certain action that round, you got a bonus. That ah, has been in since okay. the very beginning. And so it's evolved a little bit. Like it's been small tweaks about around the player board and like the scoring. But the biggest development thing that especially Carla has helped out with is the goals because I I got a really good core game down where there are capitals on the board. Uh, It's a hexagonal board, kind of like Catan, uh, exactly like Catan, same, same size board as Catan. And the individual, uh, there are six tiles on the outside ring of that hex that are capitals, uh, one in each of the six different types of uh, terrain. Right. During a scoring round, each of those scored two points, if you have majority in it. And that's pretty much the extent of, like, the area majority <laughs> that you need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that that scoring is always there. It never goes away. But there's different scoring mechanics that pop up every game that uh, you shuffle up a deck of cards and you choose one of them to play with. And everyone is unique. There's a unique uh, special action that... Well, if you do the move action, also upgrade something this turn. And so you, you're incentivized to try to do certain strategies based on what card is out. And so every game is going to be completely unique now because people are going to be jockeying for these different positions and trying to go for these things. There's always the, uh, I, and I think one of my favorite things that came out of the development is this Atlantis Tower. If you look mm. at the Kickstarter, now there's this little tower, hexagonal tower that you put right in the middle of the board. Uh, and if you've played El Grande, you know that it's very similar to that idea of the tower in El Grande, which right, is just right, right, the, right. the largest, most absurd game <laughs> component in any game that I know of. Uh, well, I mean, that's no, that's that's hyperbole. But uh, yeah, <laughs> we could be talking about Cthulhu now. Wars here. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> but I mean, for for a long time, that that El Grande tower was enormous. Uh, so I, I really like that idea of like that reveal of like who has it. Uh, so I reserved that for the end of the game, and so I put my own little spin on it where uh, you can put units into that tower and score point, and you can use the deploy action, which lets you put your own units into that tower, and you just drop them right in, and you score point a piece. Great. But with the move action, you can also move opponents' cubes into the tower as well, effectively removing them from the board (laughs) and like from the game until the very, very end. The only way to completely remove someone's piece from the game is to put it into Atlantis, which does score you a point, but Atlantis has end game scoring based on majority. And so you have to like tightrope block this little fun little mechanic into that. So that plus the end game scoring changes up the game significantly. And I've always, every single time I've played, it's been something different and the playtesters that i've had uh, almost without fail 
someone says, ah, this action is overpowered. Ah, this action's overpowered. Ah, this action's overpowered. And every time it's something different. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what you want in a game, right? Like, you know, that's one of my favorite thing about the asymmetric powers in, say, Voyages of Marco Polo or Marco Polo 2, which I think is an infinitely better game. But that's a whole other podcast is that you get any of the powers and you're like, oh my God, this is broken. This like changes everything. But they all do that in different ways. Yet somehow you still have these tight scores and everything. And it feels really good to kind of have that kind of power to wield in your hands. Yes. Yeah. It, it's very interesting because every time you play, you're going to be upgrading your player board slightly differently. Uh, we've had a couple of questions about, are there unique player powers? Not in the base game because right, right. it will overwhelm the players. I tried it. <laughs> it's like there's so much diversity in, in growth uh, from the very, very beginning that it almost becomes moot point after a certain like after turn one. And it becomes almost too much of some, a good thing when there's too much diversity. I do have plans for if this game becomes really successful there is an expansion that i do want to release that will add player powers for each uh creature so th that is in the works and we just need to make this game super successful <laughs> why isn't it part of the the base game itself because if people saw ooh player powers and added it in it would be bad uh, like okay. <laughs> just based on play testing, I, it's it, it takes away from the experience of building an engine. Uh, people get so stuck in a rut of like, oh, I'm going to go for this one thing with forgetting that the rest of the game exists. So it's not necessarily like a limitation of like the resources as part of this. It's that you want there to be like an understanding of the fundamental nature of the game before you add in this element. Right. And it, it just in a in the base box, it's just not. <laughs> we, I went through a lot of rounds of this. This is, this is <laughs> it. It created so much cognitive load for players that it was just overwhelming. Like it, it, it got to a point where it, for new players trying out this thing, it was, it was too much. So the expansion, like, we'll, we'll definitely have some fun with that. But uh, again, it's the core experience is so good that and diverse. Like you can just do so much from the get-go. You can hit the ground running, you feel like you can upgrade things right away, and you you feel like you have a unique creature by the end of this. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> so we've mentioned Carla a couple times. For those of the audience who don't know, Carla Cop is uh, from Weird Giraffe Games. She's also co-owner of Galactic Raptor Games that's putting out uh, Kingdoms of the Deep. She's a game designer in her own right, and she's one of my favorite people in the board game industry. In fact, I think she is one of the board game industry's favorite people, period. Uh, and she's involved in like a thousand other projects. She has her hands on a lot of pies. I just don't know how she does it. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of unbelievable. But... She is a person who just kind of like tells it like it is, and she has a, a great way of doing that that feels somewhat confrontational, but also supportive, which is a big reason why I really love talking with Carla. Were there any moments where you kind of butted heads during development on what should be included, what shouldn't, aspects of the game where you felt really convicted that this should be part of it? I, not really. I, I mean, I, again, the core of the game was mostly built. I, again, we, we've tweaked some numbers here and there, but both of us 
have that sort of same sort of uh, mentality of like if this if this is going to make the best the game better, like we're going to definitely go that way. Originally, we had uh, I had all of the goals separated by the type that they were, in addition to the age that they were, so that it could have practically infinite different combinations that you could throw at it, uh, because every card. Every every age card has a instant ability that triggers off of something happening during the round, and then there are two extra scoring mechanics: one that does not involve other players, and one that does involve other players. So one is like an area majority or some aspect of that. One is like have two units in each of uh, three hexes in a line, and so as long as you have that or have your move up, move uh, action upgraded to at least level three, and then you get points. And so it's it's it doesn't involve other people. You just need to be able to get to that point by the end of this the the scoring round. So I used to have all of those split up on different like mini cards. And so every so there were age one instant actions, age one uh, structural act uh, scoring, and then age one people scoring, uh, area majority scoring, and so. It was way too much. And because, I mean, there would have been something like 50 or 60 cards and then sorting those and then like it would have been overwhelming. And so she said, why don't we just put it all in one card? I was like, yeah, it'd probably be easier, wouldn't it? All on the card. (laughs) So we we just have double sided cards now. And so it's it you can have a beginner and an advanced mode. So we have something like uh, 12. We have 25 cards. So like eight, eight or nine uh, different cards that are double-sided uh, so for, for each age. So, I mean, the, literally the possibilities are eight to the third power in terms of unique games. And that's not factoring in the different board states and what people play during the game. That just, it creates a unique experience every single time you play. So when you talk about this on breaking into board games, as your advice to the audience there, you know, people who are wanting to break into board games, just hang out with Carla Cop? Is it just hang out, make friends with publishers and show them your games, you know? Like, like, what's the actionable advice here? Because you have kind of a unique and privileged story by being able to hang out with the publisher. It, yeah, I mean, it was, it really comes down to just get to know people and and enjoy their company first. Yeah. I And I, like, I just ended up really enjoying Carla's company. And then, uh, we had I had an opportunity to go to the space museum to do some business on uh, for what, my work, which was cool. And her house is like 20 minutes from there. So I was like, hey, after this convention that we're going to, can I just ride over to Huntsville with you and, and go visit that? And, <laughs> yeah, sure. This is great. Oh, great. I'll bring my game. We can try it out. And <laughs> like it was it was I, again, I wasn't going in with any idea of pitching i was just like i I really respect your opinion and i want to know what you think about this game and i the best way to get published in this industry is literally just get involved play test other people's games i get to know people because you don't know who's going to be the next big publisher like you you don't you just don't right right (laughs) and I, i mean isaac vega and Lindsay road just created a brand new uh venture themselves uh, that is going to just do some really cool things. I created my own company. And so like, I have, I just, I want to work with the people that I like. Yeah. And so <laughs> I'm going to 
tend towards those people that I've that I already know. And so just get involved. I mean, I've been in the industry for eight years and I have what four, three, three games of my own that are out. <laughs> I mean, I've, and I've worked on like dozens of other projects, but like of my own, I've, I have three out. One of them, I published my own self. <laughs> and so like, it takes a long time to, to get into this. And unless you have like literally the next best thing, uh, like it's, it's hard to just break in right away. Right. Get involved. Play test. Try play test other people's games. Like that's literally the best way to do it. That's how I did it. <laughs> and then sometimes the dam breaks and you can be like Julio Nazario and just have like 15 games signed at once. Yes. I mean, that's also because he's designed, he designed like 60 in a, a month. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Julio uses the shotgun approach, which right. frankly, like so many of his designs are quality and unique. Like it's, it's a no brainer. Like every once in a while, someone like that just pops up and it's just like, Hey, I should have been doing this like three years ago. <laughs> and like control is one of the best, like abstract mm-hmm. strategy games that I've seen in a very long time because it's such a tactile game. I love Julio's games and Holy is so good. Like I saw that as when it was the world tree, like, ah, it was so good. It's, it's, he, he's one of those people that I'd love to work with. Like, right. it, it's so cool what he does. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it, again, if you listen to Breaking Into Board Games, the biggest thing that we can say is get involved in any way that you can. Get on Discord and hang out with people. Get on Twitter and just start talking to people. Like, And then eventually when conventions start up again, if you can, like, go hang out and, and have dinner with people and just right. go to dinner with random people and play games with random people and get to know people because that, if you want to break in, that is the best way to do it. <laughs> well, let's actually talk about breaking into board games for a bit because, you know, it's not every day that I have a fellow podcaster on the show. So how long have you been doing breaking into board games? It feels like forever. Five years now. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> it's so many episodes. I mean, I, I've been doing this for like four years. Yeah. It's uh it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we, re- we, we release bi-weekly, so like that's it's still a lot. <laughs> so what would you say is like your proudest achievement of the podcast at this point? I mean, probably it's longevity. <laughs> it <laughs> like, survived. It's we've been going this long and I, I'm just thrilled that people are excited to come on the show. We've we've had to institute a policy of like will we call you? Because we've had so many requests from people just saying like, hey, we've got this Kickstarter coming up. You want to come on? And then we get random emails from people saying like, hey, uh, we, we've we got a Kickstarter. Do you want to promote it? And it's like, n- no. <laughs> <laughs> we, we that That is like the last thing that we cover. And sometimes we don't even. So like it's uh, our our podcast is for those people who are trying to break in and I get the advice that they need to hear those people, those people's journeys so that maybe they can glean something that they might be able to get out of it. Is there something that you feel like your perspective took a complete 180 from the time that you started until now? Like something that you were so sure about when you were first getting into the board game industry, but maybe you'd give the complete opposite advice if someone asked you today. Well, I mean, today, uh, don't go to conventions. Yeah. <laughs> that's no good. <laughs> uh, man, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I honestly can't think of that 
that I've I can say that anything has changed completely, like a full 180. I mean, things have shifted for sure. I I mean, sell sheets used to be a big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking as a publisher now, I don't like them. Um, I'd prefer a gameplay video uh, of you playing your game so that I can see it and I can hear your narration of your turn so that mm-hmm. I can kind of get the gist of what you're thinking about as you play. And I just like that because that tells me everything I need to know about what the game's all about. And so it's cell sheets are less important. Gameplay videos are much more important now mm-hmm. because it's it, the ubiquity of YouTube now is, is it's so easy for anyone to just upload a quick video that even just for private viewing, like it, it's so helpful. <laughs> like speaking as someone who has scouted games, having a gameplay video made me like fifty percent more likely to actually right. look at it more. <laughs> Do you ever find yourself jaded as a gamer, not as a publisher necessarily or anything else, but as a gamer, you, you have these games that you want to play, the games that you want to hit your table, but now at this point, you have to view things from the publisher perspective and you have to view things as the podcaster perspective and you have to view things as the game designer and pitching things like does it ever just feel overwhelmingly exhausting all of these myriad games which may be good maybe bad that you are exposed to and that like that little gamer that you used to be before engaging in the industry itself who just was like I want to play my favorite game 30 times in a month do you ever kind of feel that burnout? I, speaking as you know, COVID has changed that a little bit. <laughs> I, I was feeling a little, little bit of burnout, but like I can't. I like anytime I have an opportunity to play a game, I'm happy right now. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's, uh, it's been a long time. Um, but I, I like to. I it's it's kind of an, a, a joke amongst game game designers mm-hmm. who use like data merge sort of software to create things because at a certain point in your game design uh, life you start to rely on the mass production of cards and components it makes this designing so much faster but now, once you have done that a couple times all you see is the game's spreadsheet <laughs> yeah yeah for and sure. so I, I make the joke like i'm just neo from the matrix exactly all I see is spreadsheets <laughs> <laughs> it's it's all spreadsheets now i mean frankly kingdoms of the deep was a giant spreadsheet the goals were just giant spreadsheets and it was just carla and i making notes on like yeah this is good this is bad no this no put that away no that's not bad <laughs> i was just making notes on individual cells moving things around making sure that we had the right things and in the right place well, to use that analogy, I mean, from my own perspective, I, I talk with a lot of designers, I review a lot of games, I'm analyzing games, and I, I want to be supportive of new designers, new publishers. So I, I try to have a measured approach of what games that I'm taking on. And even if it's not something that I'd necessarily like choose if I were uh, just a gamer, I might take on a project because I want to help support this company or provide additional exposure or it seems like a really novel idea or something like that. So I have no regrets about anything with the Cardboard Herald, but there are times where I wish I had taken the blue pill, you know, where it, where it's like, God, it would be nice to just kind of 
like the friends that I play games with, what they must feel when they're playing a game as opposed to me sitting down and thinking about how am I going to review this or how am I going to talk to someone on a podcast about this? Like that, that reduction of pressure and just enjoying the bliss of playing a game. Occasionally, I, I get that feeling. So, you know, maybe we're on different perspectives here. Uh, and maybe it's just the the residual uh, emotional weight of 2020 uh, yeah. creeping into 2021 <laughs> here. I'm still excited about games. I still love talking to people about games and things like Kingdoms of the Deep are really exciting and innovative and everything. But that blue pill, it crosses your mind occasionally. Every once in a while. But then I get to play games and it's like, oh, all is forgiven. Everything's back to normal. For real, for real. Okay. <laughs> like I got to, what, what did I play the other weekend? It was it was awesome. Uh, we, we played uh, The Crew, Quest for Planet Nine. Like, wow. Like, <laughs> it's one of those games where you're like, dang it. <laughs> how, this, how did you do you did this with a deck of cards. Right, How, right. Every game is completely... What? <laughs> 50 missions. They're all hard. How? They're all unique. Every time you play them, it's different. Uh, <laughs> it was it was, it was, was just something like... The game designer in me was just like... It's amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. It was just... It was watching magic at work. Like, you taking simple components and making them into an experience that everyone gets so invested in. Mm. It's so exciting. So, that like, props to Thomas Singh on that. That was... It, it's a fan- phenomenal game. <laughs> well, Ian... I want to at least talk about like what is on the horizon for you. Like what are the things that you are most excited about that you're working on outside of Kingdoms of the Deep? So the biggest thing that I'm working on is my own publishing company, which is Gravitation Games. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you can go to the website gravitation.games. Taking pitches currently? Uh, Yes, but we're very particular about what we're looking for. What are you looking for? <laughs> We're looking for games that draw people in. And uh, because, you know, gravitation, it's, it's a, you know, oh, okay. there words. we go. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> I, but the, the key to that is that it should have some element of what's going on over there. Mm. Like, why do they have little plastic guns and shooting at things? Or why are they laughing so loud over there? Let's see what's going on. And then once people have been hooked over and been like, okay, what's going on? They should be able to figure out how to play by watching it. Like from start to finish. And then once they're like, oh, I get it now. They should be able to be jump right in and play around right away. Like someone can just step out, step back in. Oh, yeah, sure. Here, step in for me. Play play around. Sure. Go, 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 go. Like I want it. I want it quick. I want it easy. Uh, because there's not a lot of board game companies that are doing this right now. So the first game that we have is actually out right now. Uh, you can buy it on our website. It's Please Fix the Teleporter. <laughs> I love the artwork uh, on it. With yeah, It's uh, art by Nick Nazaro, who is a phenomenal artist, and he did a great job. And the graphic design was all done in-house by our, the wonderful Aaron Wilson, who's the co-owner of Gravitation. Uh, and that's been doing pretty well, and I'm really excited to get it into the hands of more people. It's a quick little pattern-matching game. Uh, appropriate for all ages, and uh, I have a solo mode in there that is speed runnable, 
and uh, currently I hold the world record for it. So I'm I'm challenging the world to try to take me on and, and do it. But you can also do, go online and you can uh, do a print and play for free. We put up kind of like a half game just so you can print and play it. Uh, and I will accept those as speedrun category. So if you want to, you can print it <laughs> off and you can solo it yourself. Uh, so that is perfectly viable. Go Go and do that right now. Uh, but we do have another game on the horizon. It's a party game that plays uh, four to ten people, uh, and it's really great. I'm, I'm really excited for it. Look for uh, follow us on at uh, Grav Games on Twitter or any other social media that you might find, and we'll be announcing some cool stuff soon. We have some art coming in right now that I'm really excited about. It's really cool. Uh, <laughs> the idea is that aliens come to Earth. Uh, long after we've killed ourselves due to you know COVID or whatever, and <laughs> that's that's only one among many possible things that uh, yeah, are exactly. reality uh, right now. And, and so we we, uh, we as the aliens have found all of these cool artifacts, but uh, we we don't really know what they are, mm. and so we hold this alien summit uh, to try to figure out what these things are. And uh, the experts from all the different uh, communities come together and try to convince everyone else that this is actually uh you know in my purview and i should have it and so like uh, what is it so one card for example was the triple vegan and so as the expert of human art how do you explain that i would have no idea how to even begin on this like <laughs> I, 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 I mean right now as a possible role play i'm thinking like does my alien have like an image here? Does my alien yes, yeah, read you, English? Like, you know, there's so many things to springboard off of that. It can be assumed but... that you, you have an, a universal translator that you understand what's going on. Excellent. And, excellent. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's just bouncing ideas back and forth and just saying like, because it's a game that intrinsically allows people to play the improv game without like any hesitancy. Right. Because yeah. like you, you know improv, it's it's yes and like you add to it, but in this game, yeah, oh yes. As the expert of human religions, though, obviously the triple vegan is the transcendence of veganism. It's like you just go into like these long tangents, and no one can disagree with you because you're the freaking expert. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> So there's no, no, you're wrong. It's, it's, oh yes, yes. I understand where you're going with that, but this is like, I'm the expert of human sports and obviously this is what's going on here. It's, it's, we get like, I have not played a game yet where I have not like got laughed and it, it's so funny to, to just watch. And I saw this game at Unpub two years ago, three years ago. What is time anymore? I, and I, the designer roped me into a, a into a, a giant a small group of like six people playing it, mm -hmm. and that we played it for four hours. <laughs> wow. We ended with okay. like twenty people playing. <laughs> That's awesome. It, it was amazing. So I'm really excited about that. Look for announcements soon. Uh, we'll be probably kickstarting that in late Q1 or early Q2. So that's going to be really exciting to get into that. It's so cool. It's it's really fun to take on a a business on your own, finally. Like, I, I've been in the industry long enough that I've developed the context that I need, and only now am I like, okay, I have a mission. I know what I want to do with this company. We're going to do it this way. And so now I get to set the mission rather than me trying to just kind of follow along and match things. It's just like, this is 
this is the vision. We're doing this. <laughs> All right, man. Well, that is awesome. And I hope everyone goes and checks out the Kickstarter for Kingdoms of the Deep. It's going yes, to please. be going on as I post this live, both on the podcast channel, on the video channel. I have links to all of it, as well as links to Gravitation Games, Breaking the Board Games. We got it all. Ian Zhang, thank you so much for coming on and completing my quest to have all the Breaking into Board Games hosts onto this podcast, man. All four of us, really? Yeah, I, I think so. Am I? I do, you have, do you have Dan? I I have Dan, I have okay. Dan, and I you have, have Tony. Tony. Um, you don't have Gil. No, no. Now that I think about it, oh no. Well, well Ian Zhang, I mean... thanks for coming <laughs> onto the show and giving me almost all of the hosts of Breaking into Board Games. Well, you had the current hosts. And yeah, that's that's the important thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, Gil went to do his ludology or whatever. Yep. Don't have Gil. Well, you know, Gil said sayonara, but I have the three current hosts. Thanks for completing that pantheon. There we go. <laughs> All right, Ian. Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely, Jack. Thanks so much for having me. If you enjoyed this video, we have all kinds of other reviews, interviews, and recommendations via writing, podcast, and video here on our channel and website, CardboardHerald.com. Our content is audience-supported, so if you want to show your support, please visit our Patreon. Thank you so much for watching. This has been the Cardboard Herald.